and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Well, 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 Jesse Rubinoff, two hours post NBA trade deadline. Anything to talk about? We got anything to talk about, Jesse? Just a little bit. Just, just, a, just a smidgen. A little bit. Just a wee bit. I got a text from uh, an unnamed friend slash uh, hardcore sports fan mm. slash someone in the biz. Someone in the biz. Who said, "I'm not understanding this Masai presser at all." Um, I am going to attempt to okay. explain the way I saw it. Jesse, I attempted to explain the way I saw it to you uh-huh. when you came down flummoxed. I was very flummoxed. By I've been flummoxed mis- all day. You have been. I've been flummoxed. You, yeah, we've been talking all day. I've been flummoxed. <laughs> well, you did, you did call me and yeah. say you were shook at one I, point yeah, today. I was shook. <laughs> I, I, I am shook. I'm shook right now. Are you? Why? I'm surprised yeah. and confused. Yeah, so to all my killers and my $100 billers, since yeah. we're talking about shook ones here. I mean, I can rationalize it, I think, but I, I'm still very confused. Okay. So Let's talk about I it. think yeah. over the last little while, we'll do our best to explain. Yeah. All right? I'm very excited. Do you think I have, do you think I have a, a smidgen, a little bit, to reiterate, of a glimpse into what Masai was thinking when I pitched you on where we're going to start with the Raptors in a flash? Yeah, I think you're right. You do? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. All right. Well, well yeah. that's a tease. No, yeah, I, I Kids, do. stick around. Uncle Timmy's going to reveal <laughs> this, and you can decide whether or not I'm right. I'm okay with it. I can be wrong, no, no, even I, in no, 2023. No. I think, yeah. No, I think you're right. All right. I, I think, think right. We, we all felt a little like Donovan Mitchell. Like, if you went to bed early in the West or just to bed in the East, you felt a little bit like Spider did waking up this morning when he said... WTF did I just wake up to? That was me too. Yeah, that Mr. Mitchell. Uh, I guess that's also our job over the next 90 minutes. We've got an arms race in the West. We have a very interesting day for the Toronto Raptors where we have to unravel the enigma. And what the hell's next for Russell Westbrook? That might be the fun part, at least he's for a Raptor. me. Maybe he'll be a Raptor. Who knows? A Toronto Raptor? Yeah, sure, no, why not? No, he's not going to be why a not? Toronto Raptor. He's probably going to be Who knows? Any, anything. Nothing makes be, sense anymore. He's going to be a Clipper. But this... <laughs> Might be one of them days that Monica was singing about all those years ago. Going to be a big feedback right. day. Keep Jesse Rubinoff busy at Tim and Friends on Twitter. We will not only break down the Raptors moves or lack thereof and beyond with Kenny the Jet Smith of TNT. Michael Grange is also going to join us. We've got a 7 p.m. Eastern triple header triple in hockey. Triple header. Three Ooh. across the Sportsnet family of channels. And I'm not even counting... Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, when the Canucks face Bo Horvat for the first time since the deal. Four of them, Jesse. Count them. One, two, four. You're ahead of me. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Hockey Central immediately follows us in about an hour and a half. And hell, it's not just the NBA trade deadline. The Nets officially becoming the worst super team since the Power Rangers tried to make a movie. But smack dab in that NBA deadline. Vladimir Tarasenko kicks off what could be an exodus in St. Louis. The Blues reportedly shipping him to the Rangers. We got more juice in a bad Jerry Curl today. So let's start with the well-rumored Raptors. Not much going on. First things first, Jesse Rubinoff. Oh, baby. The deadline is coming gone, so let it fly, Mama New Angie. 
first things first. Settle in. Here we go. Many expected the Raptors to be one of the busiest teams at the deadline, and almost everyone expected them to be sellers. But in the end, they turned out to be buyers, making just one deal. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Reacquiring Jakob Pertl from the Spurs in a deal that was agreed to late last night that I woke up to this morning. In exchange for Pertl, the Raptors sent Ken Birch and a top six protected 2024 first round pick to the Spurs, along with two future round second round picks. There were literally a thousand second round picks traded oh my today. God, it was yeah. insane. Uh, the Raptors drafted Pertl with the ninth pick in the 2016 draft and of course eventually traded him San Antonio in the Kawhi Leonard trade. Pertl can become an unrestricted free agent after the season. So obviously not what most Raptors fans were expecting today. Let's talk about it. What are the Raptors doing here? <laughs> All right. I, I don't necessarily know, but I also don't necessarily know if the Raptors know. I'll get to that in a flash. It became evident that the rebuild wasn't going to happen, but this is not a retool. No, it's the same team. I mean, Jakob Pertl yeah. is one significant piece, and I am not diminishing Jakob Pertl's presence in any way, shape, or form. I like the player. I like the presence. He gives them a rim protector. But you and I had conversations at the start of this year, and we had those conversations with Nick Nurse and Bobby Webster, and we pointed to three things mm -hmm. that the Raptors needed to be better and wondered where they were going to get. Point guard depth, mm -hmm. more shooting, and rim protection. Yeah. And through 56 games of the season, their three deficiencies <laughs> are the same at bleeping least, deficiencies I don't be mean, but. that we asked yeah. about at the start of the year. No? Yes. 100%. Right. And I don't think any Raptor fan would argue that. No. Jakob Pertl takes care of one of those. And now you have two. And Masai Ujiri said, I have to give it to the end of the season to see if the fit is there, to get a proper look at the fit. But they're the same holes, like the overuse of Freddie, the lack of trust in backup point guards. I mean, you're the third worst three-point shooting team in the NBA, and you didn't add any shooting. Mm -hmm. Jakob Pertl is a rim protector. So for me... Before we get into what Masai is thinking, what the Raptors are thinking, are you like me and most of Twitter right now wondering what the hell happened? This was neither retool nor rebuild. Yeah, because you're faced with the same issues. You just push them to the summer. That's it. We all came in to today thinking Gary Trent's on expiring deal. Fred Van Vliet's on expiring deal. They have little to no wiggle room under the luxury tax. All of those issues are even more compounded by the fact that you have Jakob Pertl now in the mix, who's also going to need another contract. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do? Are you going to pay into the luxury tax for a team that might make the play-in? Maybe they get to the sixth seed. Okay, but you know that when you're saying that and kicking it down the road, that mm -hmm. two years ago they did this with Kyle Lowry and it worked out pretty well, mm -hmm. right? You yeah. sign and trade Kyle Lowry, you get Preston Shachua, out of them. Like they did pretty well with this kicking it down the road. So there is an opportunity here for them to kick it down the road. That is an option. Right. That, like is that option. was one of the options in front of them. Mm -hmm. But today was an opportunity. And I think people look at really the deadline and then the summer as sort of the two opportunities where you can set yourself up for the future. Today felt like a swing and a miss. Maybe they tried, didn't work out. But the same issues are going to plague them up until the summer. Well, you kind of, you kind of, sort of 
let it, the cat out of the no, bag I when no, I see. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, listen, fans get upset when they don't know the plan. They don't know the roadmap. You and I have talked about this. Yes. If they don't know the direction of the team, they are too flummoxed. They are rattled. They are shook ones as well. And we talked about this exact same thing with the Vancouver Canucks. Like, what are you doing in the offseason? Now what are you doing? Is it that the pieces suck? No, there's some good pieces there. There's some good pieces with the Toronto Raptors. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. However, when Masai Ujiri sat down to speak to the assembled media less than an hour ago, the exact point where he sits down, I think he revealed what you just said and what we talked about before this show started. And that is, they swung and missed, and he admits when he sits down that they swung and missed. Have a look, and you judge for yourself. Yeah, it didn't happen. (laughs) No. Why it didn't happen? Uh, The opportunity was not there for us for a blockbuster trade. Okay, let me re-rack that for you and play it for you one more time because I have to set the scene. And I think the sitting down part and the expression on his face when he sat down before he delivered Mm -hmm. that line Mm -hmm. also told a bit of a story. But here it is once again. I think that Masai is just admitting here that they swung and missed. Yeah, it didn't happen. (laughs) No. Why it didn't happen? Uh, the opportunity was not there for us for a blockbuster trade. So there it is. I mean, for me, if you were confused by that press conference, if you were worried about what happened to the Toronto Raptors, Masai gave you a window into what they were attempting to do. I don't know if that's Fred Van Vliet. I don't know if that's OG Ananobi. I don't know if that's Pascal Siak. Hell, I don't even know if it's Scotty Barnes. And I think that's why when we go to the engagement, which we want to go to a ton in Mm -hmm. this show, Mm -hmm. we're going to get a lot of pissed-off Raptor fans. Or, sorry, we're going to get a few pissed-off Raptor fans. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with you and I have a theory about this actually and I want to get your opinion on it. I think Masai Ujiri over the last number of years and especially with the Kawhi Leonard deal has now a pretty long history of winning trades and I think that GMs might be getting a little bit nervous that when they engage in negotiations with Masai and Bobby they might start to balk at some of the the asks that Masai and Bobby have for guys in return and as a result they're a little gun-shy, and we're the not Clippers? seeing the moves. In what sense? How did the Clippers trade all of their point guards and not get Fred Van Vliet mm-hmm. or Kyle Lowry? Well, they're probably going to get you, – you said it in, in, Russell in Westbrook? the intro. Yeah. That's not – Russell Westbrook is not even – as much as Paul George could lobby to bring Russell Westbrook – to say that five times yeah, fast, impossible. To LA and play for the Clippers, which would be magical that he shares the same building with the Lakers and may face them in a playing game or beyond. That's absolutely juicy. But it makes sense. By the way, I love this. Yeah. It makes sense that they would get Fred Van Vliet. Does it not? Yeah, but I think we may have a different opinion of Russ than the Clippers would if the There's Clippers no players, ch- but the players no want to bring Russ in. There's no chance. You don't. They think would so. rather have Fred Van Vliet than Russell. I, I, I predict, and maybe I'll talk to Kenny Smith about this a little later on. Mm-hmm. 
that Russ might not be in the league in two years. I don't disagree with that. He has not been able to evolve into any sort of a role player beyond the dude that had people boxing out so he could get triple doubles in OKC. Mm -hmm. I agree. So Fred Van Vliet is a perfect fit with the Clippers. We heard through the grapevine that it was Terrence Mann and then pick. Maybe a first-round pick, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe for Fred Van Vliet. If, if that was the ask, you make the deal. The Clippers obviously weren't paying that. They're, that's why they don't have a point guard. And the only time that Kawhi worked was when he had two point guards. One of them was Kyle Lowry. The other one was Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Sorry, Kawhi at his best had two point guards. No, that, 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 the Clippers were sort of the obvious place for Fred Van Vliet to go. And I don't know, as a first-round pick and Terrence Smith doesn't seem like that steep of a price, but maybe that's part of my point is like maybe there's a trepidation now where you're having a harder time valuing certain guys and certain picks on your own team because you feel when you negotiate with Masai and Bobby that there's something there that, yeah, well, that, they know that, that they know that you don't know. And as a result, they're gun-shy when it comes to making deals with the Raptors. Yeah, either either gun-shy or an overvaluation of your own pieces right. is what had to happen for Masai to sit down and say what he said off of the top of that press conference. Uh, let's hear from the rest of the press conference and some more clips from Masai Ujiri. The way I look at the deadline, um, it's, it's really um, not a great place to make long-term decisions. I believe in these guys, we believe in them, and we think growth sometimes takes a while. I think there's a level of impatience now um, with how we think about things and do things, and um, hopefully we can have a little bit of patience, but everything that we could have done um, today maybe we can do in the summer so the reaction to the deadline to that news conference did we ask for the friends of the show to weigh in on some of what happened at the deadline for the toronto raptors did we ever uh, first before we get to the fans of the show and uh, viewers of the show i want to get to just some that we'll i call pulled. them friends of the show friends of the show that's right yeah. <laughs> obviously um i want to get to some of the reactions <laughs> from around the the rest of the internet that i pulled that i thought was pretty entertaining uh, dg dg says raptors at the trade deadline and this is yeah a little pump fake yeah yeah Yep, maybe OG is going. Maybe Fred's going. Who knows? It's so unfair to the teams, but it's so true because for the last three weeks, all we heard is Raptor rumors. Here's Nate. Uh, this whole trade deadline starts with the Raptors, and the Raptors froze. My guy hasn't moved for 40 minutes. <laughs> That's one of the better ones. Uh, Ted Masai, the Raptors fans at the trade deadline, presenting with a nice nah, piece of nah, absolutely yeah. nothing. Well, they got to put a picture of Jakob yeah. Pertl in <laughs> now that, they at least. Yeah. Uh, Ringer, the Ra Toronto Raptors, talking about making trades, and the Toronto Raptors actually making trades. I just find <laughs> it so interesting to me that the Raptors... The Raptors didn't talk about anything in the public. No, but it we was heard. just reported. Like we heard from yeah. Woj, and we heard from Mark Stein, and saying the Raptors were one of maybe two teams that the, the entire trade deadline hinged on. And then you look at all the teams and all the flurry of moves from today, and the Raptors don't make anything, and they're sort of rolling with, a, well, you add Yakupert yeah, to the mix. Like, do they think they're that they can back. actually? 
Like they think they can actually do something now. Like that is that is would be my next question. Is like maybe running back what? It's a pretty it's a pretty soft schedule here. Like maybe all along they thought they were no, no, a little bit this, better no, than they no, than we thought. No, 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 the start of that news conference suggests otherwise. To me, and maybe I'm wrong, the start of that news conference suggests the complete otherwise. They wanted to change. They wanted they to change and nothing was there. Okay. Uh, Sinich writes in, I'm going to trust the management didn't like any of the deals they were presented with and decided to stand pat. Makes for an interesting offseason, though, no doubt about that. Giancarlo, trust in Masai took a hit here. Masai just sounds like someone reluctant to deal players he's developed. Admirable, but I simply don't see how this works out. Brad, I think they will contend for 11th every year quite well. Oh, that's it. <sighs> Uh, Ricardo, yeah. mid, as the kids would say. Yep. And Justin says, horrible roster management. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are preaching patience and still believe in what Masai and Bobby are capable of and, mm-hmm. and are not going to let this one deadline sour their opinion of them. But there is frustration because it was hyped up. Not like the Raptors hyped it up, but it was hyped up and nothing happened with the, without, you know, Jakob Pertl. Do you want to just write Jakob Pertl on a sheet of paper? Yeah. And then just hold it up and say, like, nothing happened. I feel bad. Yeah. I, I, I do feel bad. But, no, because he's but a you significant know what I, piece, you but know I know what, what I you're mean. saying. You know what People, I mean. I, I'll ask Michael Grange when he joins us, because we're going to move on in a flash, that did Jakob Pertl signify to him that the Raptors were going to make other moves that never came to fruition? I believe that to be the case. I think you believe that to be the case. I think a lot of people out there believe that to be the case. But I will say this. There's a lot of people right now that have written in with the horrible roster management. I got a tweet earlier today that said, fire Masai. And I can count at least five times off the top of my dome piece when the Raptors fan base was pissed off at management. One of them turned into Scotty Barnes. One of them turned into Kawhi Leonard and a championship. Like, do I need to go on after that? Like, those two times alone, right? The fan base was irate at Masai Ujiri and this management, and it came up absolutely golden for the squad. The bloom is coming off the rose. I guess four years is what a championship buys you. It's not a lot. It's not, it it's like not at least a, a decade. Lot, but I, I want to get a lot more of your feedback into this show. So we may move on to the rest of the deals that were made here. Get to your feedback and block uh, two, three, depending on when Kenny the Jet Smith joins us. Michael Grange is going to join us. We got you covered on the NBA trade deadline. I think that conversation left me a little bit less flummoxed than, I, than when I walked in here. I feel a little bit better, a little well, less confused. I, I did. I did try and unflummox you. Yeah. No, I think I'm a little bit more unflummoxed. Let me, let me play it for you one more time, Raptor fans, and this time with the walk-in. Such a good word. Flummox. Okay. Flummox is so good. <laughs> if if you are confused at what happened with the Toronto Raptors, I believe this is the only story you need. I believe in Messiah. I believe he could touch the sky. Pretty good. That wasn't the one I was looking for. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but there are a lot of people that still believe in the size. So um, you want to go to what else happened on this crazy trade deadline day? Because yeah, it was that. like absolutely, yeah. uh, it was nuts. We woke up to, or you were awake, but I woke up to not only uh, Yaka Pertle. Yaka Pertle, make sure we get that right. Yaka Pertle and Kevin Durant. Uh, that was the biggest de- deal of last night. Uh, Kevin Durant going to Phoenix, a deal ending a tumultuous few years in Brooklyn with Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. 
all now having been dealt. Here's a look at the full deal. Durant heading to the Suns for a package including Kel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and four first round picks. Four first round picks. Count them. A One, number <laughs> two. Sorry, you're no, no, count it off. Count it off. Three, four. A <laughs> uh, number of teams in the West making significant additions. Last night, the Lakers sent Russell Westbrook to the Jazz as part of a three team trade, which saw D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt end up in LA. And Mike Conley Jr. goes to the Timberwolves. Westbrook likely to be bought out by Utah. We'll see if he goes to the Clippers. The Lakers also making another deal today, sending Patrick Beverly to the Magic for Mo Bamba. And the other L.A. team, the Clippers, very active on trade deadline day as yes. well, acquiring Eric Gordon, Bones Highland, and Mason Plumley. not Fred Van Vliet, though, traded away John Wall, Luke Kennard, and Reggie Jackson. Uh, obviously, the headline in all of that is Kevin Durant, no question about it. What did you make of KD to the Suns? I, I Listen, there's two headlines. There's the 180 that transpired in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Over the last three and a half years, what the hell <laughs> went on? Like, if you thought that the, if you thought you were flummoxed by the trade deadline from the Toronto Raptors, imagine being a fan of the Brooklyn Nets, Sean Marks, the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, or Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. Because in three and a half years, you've gone through Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and I guess Ben Simmons. <laughs> They're never going to want a, a star player there ever again. I wonder if it's the end of the player empowerment era. Oh, I've asked that before. We'll ask Kenny Smith coming up. I, I do feel like the Suns took a home run swing in their deal with Kevin Durant by giving up four first-round picks. New owner, too. Second day of ownership. Yes. And a very interesting owner, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think that they took a massive swing at a 34-year-old dude that's had a bit of an injury past. And if it works out, it'll work out wonderfully. Chris Paul won't have to score anymore. You've got Devin Booker who can create his own. You've got Kevin Durant, who you sure as hell know can create his own. But they sold the future. They sold, like, whatever. Listen, Booker's still young. They know Chris Paul is on the downslope. I don't know where Kevin Durant is. I don't know how much longer he can stay at a very high level. There is only one LeBron James. Like, I don't, can Kevin Durant do the 38 thing too? I don't know. And I think it's a lot to ask. Still doing past. it right now, though. There's no quite like he There's hasn't no had question. any drop off really from except for the injuries. Except, except for the injuries. And except for missing time. That is that is the big question with the Suns because they've all had injuries this year. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. They've all battled the injury bug. So yeah, now they're fifty million dollars going to have to pay fifty million dollars because they're into the luxury tax, mm-hmm. and they just gave away all of their future. So they, they better win. They better win at least one. You think? Do you think and. We're going to go to break after this, so maybe so this is a so rhetorical. Days like this are so much fun. Do you think Kevin Durant should have just stayed with the Golden State Warriors? Uh, yes. Like, his... Because if he wins, he still has All-Stars with him and, like, a Hall of Famer and Chris Paul. So his thin skin caused four years of misery mm-hmm. around a gong show of a team because he just couldn't accept that some people thought that he joined the Warriors. People get mad at LeBron for the decision and the origin, being the originator of the super team. Look at who Kevin Durant has played with. Oh, without a doubt. Right? Even on the Thunder. Yeah, the well. Thunder, then the Warriors, I think then we the now Nets, know why. now the Suns. Always at least two All-Stars. 
I think we do, do know why he left OKC now, though, right? Like, we understand that Westbrook is selfish and has never evolved. Well, yeah. I mean, he shoots, what, how many? 15 times a game, and he's a 38% shooter from the field? But there, we know. Yeah. Like, there was a, a question mark back in the day why yeah. Kevin Durant left. I said at the time it was because Westbrook's selfish. It's borne out. You've been talking on TV that long, eh? Impressive. Impressive. Impressive career. All right, still to come. <laughs> we got much more on the NBA trade deadline. Kenny Smith in Atlanta, Michael Grange, Scotiabank Arena. Plus, your reactions at Tim and Friends. I want to hear from you on what you thought at this deadline, Raptors and beyond, as our trade deadline special continues after this short commercial interlude. Check is in. Passes in front. Tipped in. This one in front. Back in. Tito scores. We have four or five guys who are just, they. They weren't good. Breaking this morning, a blockbuster trade while you were asleep. The big three era in Brooklyn is officially a catastrophe. That Kevin Durant has been traded to the Phoenix Suns. I think for especially Masai Ujiri, I think he wanted to see uh, what this group would look like uh, with Pirtle now on the floor and they can push all of these decisions to the summer. Maybe we can still be patient here and move forward with the same group. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Kenny the Jet Smith coming up. Michael Grange in mere moments from now. But Jeff leads off the segment for the record. Jesse, Tim, I remain fully flummoxed. <laughs> I guess that's our bad dad. We didn't Do I need to play that clip again yeah, from yeah, Masai sitting down? Yeah. Do yeah. I? Yeah, re, re, re unflummoxed. Okay, I'm, I'm going to play this because Grange is going to join us. Is that a word? What did you say? Re unflummoxed? No, <laughs> I know. Not I, a word. I think we might be stretching there, but no. you know what? That was Why not? not a Scrabble word. Why not? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, one more time <laughs> on what I believe to be the insight into what happened here for the Toronto Raptors, and that is they got what they didn't want from this year's deadline. I say um, yeah it didn't happen <laughs> no why it didn't happen uh, the opportunity was not there for us for blockbuster trade what's it give me the tinfoil well, hat apparently hat. apparently he said it a blockbuster trade unless they were never looking for that and he's playing cards that he doesn't need to play which is often the game of poker Right? He asked for a lot, didn't work out. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to ask your next guest. Your next guest that. Joining Ooh. us from the Ooh. very same spot. Yeah. In fact, out on the court from that news conference, Michael Green. Here we go. Us now. What's yes, up, sir? Mikey? How are you, buddy? Yes, sir. How much sleep? Uh, less than two. Less than two. <laughs> two hours. We'll All go right. with two you, hours. You've been around this for a while. You've had some real scoops in the last couple of weeks. Are you surprised with what the Raptors' deadline was? I am. I am surprised. I think um, of all the scenarios that uh, kind of were laid out for me that I, you know, people were asking me about, um, the Raptors as buyers 
um, wasn't very near the top of the list. And certainly as they kind of continue to struggle uh, the past month or six weeks with, you know, a little bit of a kind of evening off lately, um, nothing seemed to justify them investing future assets in this group. Uh, but there you go. I mean, that's what was available. That was deemed, uh, you know, a, a reason or prudent, reasonable course of action. And uh, that's what they were left with. And But no, I didn't, I wouldn't have bet on that. I would have bet on the field in terms of other options. <laughs> you would have bet on the field. Okay, so we'll, we'll examine some of those. But I was saying that I thought, like Masai sitting down and just simply saying, and I wrote it down on a little sticky note, yeah, it didn't happen the opportunity wasn't there for a blockbuster deal. Is that what they were looking for here? I don't think so. I think that was a little bit of Masai was kind of getting peppered by a particular reporter. And, you know, I think it was the reporter's word blockbuster. And so I think he was just kind of using that in the answer. I mean, um, hmm. you know, I think for good reason, the Raptors were looking for significant returns in any moves they were looking or talking about making. But, you know, and I'm sure when the things things unraveled in Brooklyn, the Raptors were, um, you know, at least would check in and see if there was some scenario that they could get in on Kevin Durant at least. Um, but, you know, I don't think they went into this trade deadline saying we're going to take some of these assets and turn them into a superstar or a blockbuster. I think that they were trying to or looking to win each transaction and, and, and make some moves that – um, benefit the team in terms of future assets, in terms of salary cap flexibility, in terms of current play on the floor, and of those various options, you know, the one that, that played out and the one they executed on was Jakob Pertl, who should, in the short term, make the Raptors better, mm -hmm. um, as they apparently uh, are looking to make a run into the play-in and, and maybe a playoff spot. So, um, and they did it for very little to no cost, no offense to Ken Birch, from their current rotation or their current uh, roster and, uh, you know, future draft assets that, you know, it's debatable how expensive those could be. They could, it could end up hurting if this kind of blows up on them, but chances yeah. are they'll be kind of mid-range first-round picks and plus uh, one mid-range first-round pick in a, in a couple of seconds, um, which, you know, depending on where you fall on the value of Jakob Pertl is, is uh, you know, it's a defensible way to go. All right, Michael's context to that first interchange with the media, mm -hmm. Jesse, has flummoxed me even more. Yeah, you're more flummoxed. I'm, yeah, I'm flummoxed once again Apologies. on what the hell was going on with the Toronto Raptors at this deadline. Like, what did you take from Masai's conversation to add to the context of what you've been told? And for those who haven't read Michael over the last couple of weeks, first off, shame on you. Uh, second off, um, does that give you more, like, did any of that news or give you more context on why this deadline went down the way it did? A little bit. I would yeah. say that. I mean, I think that all along, you know, the message I was getting both internally and externally was that they weren't really clear on what to do with this group and what path to go down. Right. And um, that proved true, you know, right up to the final minute. And in the end, they kind of made the one move. And really, as it was explained to Messiah Jury, and it's consistent with what you might infer anyway, is, you know, you look at this team and it's like, we are still aren't sure exactly what we have here. Um, it's on me as management that to kind of 
fill in some of the shortcomings that this group does have going back to you know uh, Serge Ibaka and, and Marcus All moving on and then just not having quality big men or a quality big man and Jakob Pertl is meant to fill that and so what does this group look like what does this style of play translate to when you have you know an NBA starter level defensive minded big who can kind of contribute a little bit or, or right. hang in there on the offensive end and and uh, you know so Masai Jerry's words were this you know this will be an opportunity to assess um, you know so I think that's the logic it makes a lot of sense but do you buy I that just I'm not sure me personally yeah I, I buy the sincerity of it right I'm just not personally sold that it's the path I would choose right because um, because it's I, the same thing know, that we t and, and listen I'm not I'm not trying to interrupt you first off but I, I think that's like kind of the the next evolution of the conversation and Jesse and I have been talking about this since the start of the season I know I've had conversations with you about similar things and I'm not acting like I'm smart because it's more SMRT than it is S-A-M-A-R-T. Yeah, you got it. So, Michael, the things that they've been missing the entire time is point guard depth, or at least trust in their point guard depth, shooting, and a big man. And all they've gotten a big is a big man. So what can the last 26 games really tell us about this team? Yeah, that's sort of my point. Yeah. Is, and I don't what – I, what I'm personally not – still have questions about is what this all translates into as to a path right. to becoming right. not just a decent team. I mean, they are that you can understand why they, they, you know, they still believe that and, and, but to becoming a really good team, like how do they get to becoming a team that can contend to fill those holes that you're talking about? And I, you know, again, I'm just a reporter, man, but I don't see an obvious way to kind of, fix all these holes they have i think you know had they kind of come out of this and uh this whole exercise and, and said you know what we're gonna we're gonna build around our younger core let's just say you know og ananobi's 25 uh gary trent's 24 Preston chichu is 23 scotty barnes is 21. Um, yeah. those are the guys we're going to prioritize in terms of a timeline right. and as a result you know we had to we made a hard decision to move on from fred van vliet who's soon to turn 29 or maybe in the summer investigate moving on from uh, pascal siakam who's will be 29 by then we could all understand that we could agree with it disagree with it but we would we would get it. Um, similarly, had they come out of this deadline and said, you know what, not only did we get Jakob Pertl, but we saw that, you know, if you were really to, ready to bundle a bunch of second round picks, you could get some interesting players like Luke Kennard, a really good shooter, would probably fit in nicely on this roster, at least at that core skill. You know, he was had by Memphis for three second round picks. So if they had con gone down that route and invested some more future draft equity into uh, filling more of those holes we're talking about, well, again, we could beg to differ if, if that's the right move, but we would understand the direction. Um, right now, you know, I don't really understand what the long-term strategy is other than, you know, they've won this one transaction. Uh, Jakob Pertl for Ken Birch, and protections on on some you know some draft equity. Let's just say, um, is you've probably won that trade, but it, you've created you've you haven't solved some other problems, and you've actually created some other some more problems right. in terms of pending free agency and what you do in the summer. The thing I like about you, Michael, in our conversations on the air, off the air, is that it, it's a thoughtful conversation. And and Masai kept saying that success isn't linear. 
And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like, I don't think people thought when they drafted Scotty Barnes that that was the right draft pick. Or when they traded DeMar DeRozan, it was probably split 50-50 on whether people thought it was going to be what it ended up being. Uh, Matt Taylor, who is the director of this show, uh, if you just take to my computer here, I have a quick little progress is not a straight line, what people think it looks like and what it actually is. But the one thing that I know, Michael, and you from your comments on your columns, you interacting with people, is that fans get upset when they don't know the path or the direction of the team. Do you think Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster, and this management are still evaluating the direction of this team into the summer? I think they are, and I, I believe it when they say they are. The only question I have is... What is the summer your best opportunity to do that if you need to pivot? And, and right. so I made some comments along those lines. And, and I do accept the logic. If, if you come, you know, if the rest of the season plays out poorly and you're like, okay, maybe we do need to take a hard look at Pascal Siakam and or OG Ananobi. Well, yeah, moving players like that in the summer makes a little bit more sense because he put it really well. There's 29 losers then. There's a lot of teams looking to make changes. There's more draft equity available to, to you know, in these big swing type transactions. So, yeah, I, I totally buy that. That's fine. But, um, you know, on the other side of that is you're going to be, let's just say things don't work out all that well and you end up in 11th place, 10th, just where you are now. You've got three pending free agents, Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, Jakob Pertl. You've kind of obligated yourself to sign those players, even though based on performance, you know, maybe you wouldn't not you wouldn't normally. Right. They have a good deal of leverage because if they just kind of walk away and go seek you know, another deal in free agency, you can't replace them. You're probably over the cap anyway. And so I just, that's the side of it that I, I kind of struggle with mm-hmm. is they've, I don't want to say paid themselves in a corner, but they've definitely kind of uh, got some challenges to figure out on those three players. And you're kind of obligated to invest in or further invest in a team that, you know, even if things go really well from now until the end of the season, you know, they're probably a, a 500 team or just a bit over right. and you know all of a sudden you're still fl- flirting with luxury taxes and all of that right. i i you know I, i'm not sure that's the path i would have chosen I, unless it's a sign and trade and you can do what you did with maybe kyle you know sign and trades are are awesome they they look great on paper they're always like one of those things you bring up but like you cannot depend on them they they, they take certain circumstances so yeah um you know let's not give them that out <laughs> all right michael i uh, appreciate you doing this i know it's been uh, a long well i guess day and a half uh thank you for dropping in and uh if you think of anything else just call us we'll be here thanks guys <laughs> there's michael grange at the ovo practice facility well i can tell you one thing He's about as flummoxed as we were to start the show. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I feel like flummox is the word of the day. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, coming up, we'll try and get unflummoxed. More on the trade deadline. More of your feedback. How you feeling, Raptor fans? Have you gotten less flummoxed by the last 44 minutes of this show? Did Michael Grange context change anything for you? At Tim and Fred, let us know. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. We are just over 72 hours away from kickoff. Super Bowl 57 Chiefs Eagles holding their final media availabilities today. And Travis Kelsey was asked about what makes Patrick Mahomes so special. I could answer it. He's really good. Yeah, he is. His talent level goes 
far beyond more than his uh, his ability to instinctually just go out there. You know, he's playing a step ahead. He's uh, and he's almost playing chess out there in, in terms of he's got three or four moves already in his pocket, depending on what the defense does. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's what's going to make him the greatest to ever go down. And, and, and I love playing with him. And he, uh, he's nonstop always trying to find ways to make himself better for this team. And uh, you saw that uh, more so this year than any other year that we played, knowing that uh, the, the pieces were a little bit different on, uh, in terms of the, the weapons that he has. And, um, the scrutiny that everybody was kind of looking to see how he was going to take his game to the next level. And sure enough, um, I'm pretty sure he'll win MVP. Yes, he will. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, speaking of football, Tom Pelissero tweeting out in the last little while. Now, there have been some rumors surrounding Derek Carr, his future, maybe the New Orleans Saints. How about this? Saints and Raiders already have the framework of a Derek Carr deal in place in condition for Las Vegas to let the visit happen. But no, Carr's no-trade clause means he controls whether any trade happens before 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Stay tuned. How would you veto a deal if you lose that veto on Tuesday? My head is spinning today, i to be honest. A lot of flummoxing. A lot of confusion. confusion. Are you confused by this one? A little bit. Do you think Derek Carr will be a New Orleans Saint? I do. Yeah, I think... I think you can't veto a deal if they can just make the deal on Tuesday without your veto. Right. Okay. Unless there's some bonus tied. At least he didn't that. get hurt during the flag football game. No, and he looked pretty good in yeah. the scout combine. Yeah, Otherwise, he, he looked the amazing at that. Yeah. Um, okay. Are we getting to Raptors feedback here? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of the, uh, the Friends of the Show feedback. Uh, okay, my grandmother wrote in. Uh, she says, uh, why, why are you do looking the- at your phone? Because she texted me. Oh, okay. <laughs> she said, why do the people running the Raptors have to let everyone know what their future plans are? Why do they have to tell you or anyone? You look great. Love you. Drive safely. Oh, nice. Is that Bubby? Yeah, it's Bubby. So, so Bubby's got a great point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth of the, the Jays fans laid out some groundwork. But they never tell you where they're going. They did to start. This is what we want to do. This is how we're going to do it. But over the last little while, they tell you jack bleep. She's going to love that you're answering her so seriously. That Keep going. Pardon my English, Bubby. She's going to love this. And the Raptors haven't leaked anything over the last little mm-hmm. while. Like, mm-hmm. everything is pretty tight, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what they're doing. It's fantastic. And they don't need to tell anyone. But when fans are pissed off, it's usually because they don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, you just made her day. Well done. Uh, Steve writes in and says, I believe the Pirtle trade is good. for Bubby. Reliable center should be good for the rookie Coloco. That is an an overlooked part of this, I I will say. I think he's going to help Christian Coloco because Coloco's been having some serious foul issues. I know. I'm reaching. I know. Adam says, I'm not surprised. Nothing big happens (laughs) with the Raptors when there are so many rumors out there. It's like people forget how Masai operates. That, you would think is true. Hold on. Can I push back on that for a second? Sure. Everyone thought Jakob Pirtle was going to get traded to the Raptors, and he did. That was strange. Uh-huh. But the, where did that come from? The Raptors or the Spurs? I don't know, but you never usually hear about the moves before they happen with the Raptors. So, so one. It's an anomaly. Right. That's it your pushback? Straight. That's my one. pushback. I'm just saying. Okay. It. It's, it doesn't always. It's not always uh, Ninja Messiah. Okay, uh, Chaz writes in, a couple more months of watching Fred Van Vliet dribble the air out of the ball while four guys stand around watching. Excellent. Yeah, but... <sighs> Tough. That, no, it's not this year. Tough. 
that's not this year. He didn't even have the ball in his hands for the vast majority of the start of the year. He's also playing really well over the last month and a half. Yeah. Really, And, and when well. he's had the ball in his hands, he has played well. Yeah. That's not this year. Chaz hasn't been watching. Uh, Chaz. Justin. Chaz. This one, this one, this is a pot stir. How long does Masai get to eat off the Kawhi trade? Yeah, well, the championship and the four years after. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess it's just four years. Uh, Jeff Wrightson says, big trades are easier to create before the trade deadline. See Kawhi. If the offer isn't there, wait until it is. I believe in Masai and Bobby. Um, what about the what about the Bargnani deal? What about the Rudy Gay deal? Like, what about the all, like, everything that led to the Kawhi trade? Like, you're, you're right. They've made mistakes. They have made mistakes. But there's a reason why Sid and I sang a song. I, you believe in Masai. Yeah. I, I, do, I, I know we don't have a lot of time here. I just want to get your opinion very, very quickly. It felt like this was the first time where there was like a sort of a lack of confidence from Masai. They tried to do what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. didn't work out, and he felt like a little bit confused as to where this team was going to go, and he just sort of said, we have to evaluate, and that's that. So that, that's the only thing that concerned me a little bit. It wasn't usual confident Masai, in my opinion, from watching the presser. Uh, you weren't the only one to get a text from family. Uh, this is from my cousin that says her TV froze this way. Uh-oh. I got it on my phone. <laughs> Real attractive. <laughs> All right, coming up, we'll keep the oh, NBA trade deadline talk going. Kenny the Jet Smith. What a fine-looking fellow that is, eh? Agreed. Are the Suns now the favorites in the West? Does anyone want Russell Westbrook? Raptors. Things we will discuss. You're joking. I mean, I think so. I don't know anything. Now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Muchas gracias, Sheepdogs. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff with you for another 30 minutes on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 367 games in the NHL tonight. Four of them, count them, one, two, three, four, on the Sportsnet family of channels, including the Canucks taking on Bo Horvat and the Islanders still feels weird to say. Hockey Central will get you set 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific, and we'll have more coming up in game time. But the big story of the day is the NBA trade deadline, which came and went 3 p.m. Eastern today. Many expected the Raptors to be one of the busiest teams at the deadline, and almost everyone expected them to be sellers. But in the end, kind of sort of buyers. One deal reacquiring Jakob Pertl from the Spurs in a deal that was agreed to late last night. Masai Ujiri was asked about the lack of moves, and here's what he said. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> no. Why it didn't happen? Uh, the opportunity was not there for us for a blockbuster trade. The way I look at the deadline, um, it's it's really um, not a great place to make long-term decisions. I believe in these guys. We believe in them, and we think growth sometimes takes a while. I think there's a level of impatience now. Um, with how we think about things and do things. And um, hopefully we can have a little bit of patience, but everything that we could have done um, today, maybe we can do in the summer. Hmm. Biggest move of the day, happening in the early morning. 
And that's sending Kevin Durant to the Suns for a package that includes some pretty good players. Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, four first-round picks. Jesse laughing at the four first-round picks. Durant joins Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton on a Phoenix team that despite being fifth in the West, Probably the favorites right now in Good the luck. Western Conference. Coming out of the West. Uh, LA team's busy at the deadline. Last night, Lakers sent Russell Westbrook to the Jazz, part of a three-team deal which saw D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt end up in LA. I like that move for the Lakers. Mike Connolly goes to the Timberwolves. Uh, Westbrook expected to be bought out by Utah. I say that he goes to that other LA team as a buyout. Lakers also making another deal today, sending Patrick Beverly to the Magic for Mo Bamba. Word is Sheck West loves the deal. <laughs> uh, that Clippers team, as mentioned, here's the ins and outs because they made a couple of different deals, acquiring Eric Gordon, Bones Highland, and Mason Plumley while trading away their point guards. So I don't know who the hell is going to play point guard. For the Los Angeles Clippers, at one point today, I thought it was going to be Freddie Van Vliet. Never worked out, and that's why we've brought in the services of one of the best in the business. Uh, you know him, you love him. TNT, NBA, Kenny the Jet Smith. What up, Kenny? I just have one request. Yes, sir. I know it's Tim and Friends, but I think I've gone past the friend thing. So it's going to be... Tim and Kenny, his really good friend. <laughs> Tim and Kenny, his really good friend. All right, all we're we're, we're going to clip that. We got some connects. <laughs> we'll see if we can do a real. The, the dudes who made that song are real big basketball fans. So we'll see if right. you and Curry and the Sheepdogs will remix that for Tim and Kenny because I, I absolutely love it. I passed, I passed the friend zone. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're fam now. You're fam. Um, what deal did you like most? Let's go. We'll go wide angle and then we'll zoom in. What what deal did you like the most over the last couple days? I'm still digesting all of them, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so many deals that has gone on that, you know, sometimes are significant. You don't see the significance of it until you really kind of dive a little bit deeper in it. But the obvious, you know, you know, when Kyrie and Kevin Durant moved, that was the snowball effect to have everything else happen because there were so many teams. There probably in, in every year there's probably three teams that say we can win it all. Everyone else says we're trying to get better to win it all. This year, there's probably eight teams that said we could possibly win it all. And so, you know, once Kyrie left, Kevin Durant was not far behind. You, you knew that. You kind of felt that coming. And then when Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix, everyone's like, they're trying to win a championship today. And we cannot allow this to happen. We got to start making some moves, too, if we feel that we're in that zone. Okay, so is Phoenix, in your mind, uh, as they are in Bet Rivers, the favorite to win the West? Well, I wouldn't say the favorite to win the West, but Denver is still, you know, they put themselves back in the top two, three. You know, right. I don't think they were in the top two or three teams, you know, a month ago, two months ago, even a, this week. Um, so they put themselves, you know, definitely out of the first round now. You know, before I, I could have saw them losing in the first round. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, at, they're at the five seed. You know, the Mavericks, you know, adding Kyrie could be an unbelievable matchup, four or five matchup. So Luka. Everyone's saying we're trying to win it, you know, and everyone has a case now. That's what that's what's fun about the league right now. Uh, if you're a fan in certain cities, you're upset. <laughs> hint, hint. 
But if you're not, I don't know what you're talking if you're about. just a basketball fan, you're not upset. <laughs> All right, we're going to get to the Raptors in a flash. But does, does the Durant in Phoenix work in your mind? Because, listen, Chris Paul is a great player, a Hall of Famer, um, but his offense has slowed down over the last little while, and a lot of people were worried about them going into the postseason with him having to be whatever you call him, the second option, the third option. I don't know what DeAndre Ayton ends up being, but now you have two guys that can absolutely positively create on their own in Booker and Durant when they're healthy. Does, does the fit theoretically work for you? Kevin Durant can play with anybody. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, he, you don't – he's one of the few players, like, I always say when guys get traded, you have to figure out – they have to figure out the offense. They have to figure out, you know, how to fit in and what the, you know, plays can be. When Kevin Durant comes into your building, you're creating a new offense. So, everyone is new. Like, Devin Booker won't be running the same – 90% of the same plays that he ran. Chris Paul won't be – because this guy is so magnetic – and so um, great on the offensive end that you're going to change your offense for him. He doesn't really have to learn anything. And right. he's played with, I mean, arguably the best shooters in basketball with Clay and, uh, and Steph and never missed a beat and, and, and was the best player on that team. And those two guys were still getting 30 and 40 points at times in the game. So he knows how to play with everyone. I know the Lakers wanted some shooting. Did they get enough here, Kenny? Well, to win a championship? Yeah, I mean to be legit you know, contenders. The, 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 to be a contender? You know, I think the one thing that holds the Lakers back is their age and their health. You know, their best player, is, you know, is 38. Their, 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 their best player, who should be their best player, Anthony Davis, doesn't play a lot of nights. So, you know... We don't know if D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt is going to help. I really don't know. Because if those guys aren't on the floor, what does it, it, it doesn't change anything. There's no difference between Westbrook, Schroeder, and all the guys, and Beverly, and all the guys that they just traded. If those guys are not on the floor on a consistent basis, right. and here we are, they're playing tonight, and LeBron's not playing tonight, the day after the, play, the trade deadline. Right. You know my favorite Kennyism and – I, I, when when Kenny Smith raises the eyebrows and does the shrug, this what this what that might be that says a lot to me when when Kenny gives me one of those. So I, I want to give you some context here because you were a player. I love you in part because you think like a GM. Um, you probably should be a GM. You've stood with the players in the past, and with all due respect um, to what it brought. Are we headed towards the end of the player empowerment era? Like, I don't want to diminish what it has brought because it has been very important to a lot of players and opened a lot of doors. But as I watch John Wall and Russell Westbrook and Kyrie to a certain extent, Kevin Durant to a certain extent, uh, James Harden, Ben Simmons, like, are, are we coming to the end of the point where so many players have so much power? No. Um, I think it, because what happens is when you have a, a long-term commitment to anything, forget sports, to anything, okay. they have precedent over what happens inside of the next part of that relationship. And if they don't, if they're not content in the relationship 
and they're there for the next four or five years, there's no way that you can have a person that you're, you're invested that much in not be content. So, or you don't want someone who you're going to have a five-year commitment to not be commit, not be content. Right. So I don't think that it changes. I think that the what, what's going to happen, there's going to be a young team that comes along that has got a couple of great draft picks that sneaks into the top two or three teams in the league. And they're going to be young, they're going to be hungry, and they're not going to have their first contract yet. And then all of us, their second contract yet. And they're going to, then they're going to be the ones that kind of move into this new realm of maybe we should start player developing guys instead of just this, like, like Masai said, the impatience of the NBA of, making this move at the trade deadline to see if we can win it all at one moment. That's what the Mavs did, right? Like, they, they're in danger of wasting Luka's prime, and they took a big, huge swing. I don't blame them for it, but, like, given Kyrie's past, this could go anyway. It could go to a championship, or it could go, like, his last two stops and end in, in, in an ugly divorce. No, I'm looking at a team like Oklahoma City. But they yeah. got a bunch of guys, and if they get one more great draft pick, and they, then it's all of these young guys yeah. who are very difficult to guard, and they play basketball the right way. When you look at Shea and Alexander, Gildress, and Maybe. you look at get, you look at all of those guys. They they play a specific blend, and you add one more guy to them, and they they could challenge the, the Mavericks and all of those kind of teams as well. So it's going to be interesting. But player empowerment is always going to be there. Based on the the you know the longevity, I'm a I'm a Delta. When I fly, I, I, I'm a 360. I have a little bit of say where I sit on my, on the plane. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're invested. I'm invested. Yeah. I fly all these miles with you. You telling me I can't get a I can't take the window seats when I when I'm booking my flight. I'm not flying you no more. Don't play. We know your business class too. Uh, all right, you were you were high on the Raptors. Uh, going into this season, they were in an interesting spot here where pieces were valued, wins weren't there. What do you make of what they did or didn't do at this deadline? Uh, what was the word that you said the Raptors fans in the break you told me they were? Yeah, there's a lot of people flummoxed today, Kenny. Flummoxed. <laughs> I'd rather be flummoxed than disappointed. Hmm. Huh. You know, because you still have a lot of young talent. I know that everyone in the world was calling Masai to get players from him. Right. That's not going to change when June hits. <laughs> That's not going to change, you know. But the, the difference is you'll get an opportunity to say, can these guys actually add value to themselves or get better? You look at Siakam. You look at, you look at OG. You look at, you know, Precious. You look at Scotty. These guys, you know, there's no one on this team over 30, like, including Fred VanVleet, who's a veteran. Who we, we, who, I just feel he's older than he is. He's only 28 years old. These guys are in the primes of their career. Or having some of them haven't hit their prime yet. You know, typically you hit your prime around 28 to 31, right in there. That's when you're the best play basketball players in the world. The 32, typically, unless your name is LeBron James, but. That is, they haven't even hit their primes yet. 
So you don't mind the fact that, like, I mean, listen, I think people get excited when they hear the rumors, you know, Woj is doing this, Shams is saying that. They turn on a show and people are talking about this, that, and the other. They get excited, and then when very little happens, they are either flummoxed or disappointed because they're not sure what the path is. But you still look at the talent on this team and see a bright future? Yeah, why would I make a decision that's not going to win me a championship? Like, why would I make a a long-term decision at the halfway mark that's not going to win me a championship. I'm Dallas. I feel Kyrie can help me win a championship. I'm Phoenix. I feel like KD can help me win a championship. I'm the Lakers. I feel that adding those shooters can help me win a championship. I'm going to do it. But if I'm going to stay at the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th seed, why am I doing it? Just to help other people? Unless I'm trying to just clear calories, salary cap space, which they clearly were not trying to do. So... You know, you guys done this already. You traded for Kawhi Leonard and won a championship. He yeah. knows what he's doing. Relax, man. It's just there's no Kawhi Leonard to take this year. And so right now, you got to develop your talent. You got to do a better job of developing the talent. You have to give have more patience for with them. And, and this might make them relax a little bit to say, hey, I'm here. Let me relax and, and sneak into the playoffs and see what happens. There, there are some some obvious holes that weren't addressed. They're, they're third to last in three-point shooting uh, in the NBA. They didn't add a shooter. They added some rim protection, which they needed. Uh, there's not a lot of trust in uh, whatever you want to call it, point guard, uh, guard initiator, guy with ball in hand. There's, there's not a ton of depth. Uh, to spell off, Freddie Van Vliet, he ends up playing a lot of minutes. So in an offseason where you have to re-sign all these guys, could sometimes the reevaluation be on the coach, fair or not, Kenny? Oh, the coach is going to have a, a say because, you know, as I would imagine, and you know, as a general manager with Masai and anyone else, you can't build a team without the coach's consent. You know, you have to build a team with the coach's consent giving him options, saying, hey, would you like, these are the two or three guys that I'm going to bring in. What is your particular flavor that you like? Now, he doesn't. he's not going to have the final say because that's not his job, but he has to have an input on what he feels he can coach and how he can coach it. Unless you say, I'm bringing in Kevin Durant. I'm bringing in like these generational talents that – you're going to change no matter what if they come in. But you're talking about pieces that, you know, that collectively together can form a championship team. He's definitely going to have an input. All right, last one for you. And a mutual friend, uh, Cabral Richards, a.k.a. Cabby, uh, said to me yesterday, have you ever seen a comparable to the career of Russell Westbrook? And I sat there kind of slack-jawed for about, five minutes and said like I don't know like Hall of Fame absolute world-class elite talent and yet here he is probably being bought out and not fitting in in his hometown where it didn't work out and was slandered on the way out like have you ever seen anything like Russell Westbrook's going through over the last little while um I would say the closest I would think is Allen Iverson Hmm. on the way out I thought that teams kind of didn't treat him the same way. And this guy still is athletic as it comes. You know, he's probably still top five in, in the league in terms of athleticism at his position. 
Um, it, th- these are this year highlights. This isn't yeah. like Russell Westbrook <laughs> from Oklahoma City. No. This is this guy dunking it and running and speeding through the lane today. Um, I just think that right now, Russell Westbrook, if I was him, I'm going to a great coach who's done it, been there, and just understands how to get the best out of his team. Not me, his team. Because if he gets the best out of his team, he's going to be at the best out of me. I think, you know, that's what he needs to look for at this stage in his career. Not the best situation where he's going to play the most because a lot of these guys are just, they're finding themselves as coaches as well. And, you know, they're finding themselves as general managers. I'm going to the best place. If, if I can get over the next and play next door, play for Tyrone Lou, a guy who's done it, guys who understands what is going on, I'm moving next door, and I don't have to move my house. Yeah, I got a feeling it's going to be next door. Uh, we'll see if we can work on uh, Tim and Kenny slash Tim and Fam. Uh, you are family. Thank you for joining us on such a momentous day, even if we are flummoxed. All right. Not disappointed. <laughs> flummoxed. Flummoxed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. All right. There's a great point about Allen Iverson. Like, that is an excellent. And how history yeah. now forgets the end of Allen Iverson. How come up with that so And fast? it's just the legend that is Allen Iverson. That's a, that's a great comparable. Denver, Detroit. Yeah. Do you remember even Allen Iverson on Detroit? No. no I do remember the, the, the Denver because those were some sick jerseys. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if it, uh, if it changes. Yeah, the baby, baby blue. blue. Yeah. Oh. We'll see if it changes for Russell Westbrook, but we'll change it with game time. Thanks. To my friends. Welcome back, kids. Jesse, we got golf. Golf is the most exciting hole in golf, at least in the Waste Management Open. You're looking at the 16th. Tony Finau. Look, Look at this beautiful. Hey? It's unbelievable. I played it once upon a time. Did you? 15 years ago. Didn't have the grandstands up, though, I don't think. Tony Finau, right at the pin. Comes Barry Finau at the, at the pin. Barry Finau. Yeah. Yeah. Why did I just say his name and not do that? Very surprising. Um, nice birdie for Tony Finau. Scott Piercy's tee shot now nearly as good. This is from 51 feet. Get to drop the crowd goes nuts. Later, Kevin Kisner from the tee. Four over on the day. Four over on the day. Give him something good here. Oh! Almost Pierce. Hops, almost hops into the hole just over. Leads to a birdie for the four times to a winner. Meanwhile, Abbotsford BC native Nick Taylor. His tee shot on 16. Oh, it's beauty. 15 feet. Knock it down, Abby boy. Will it? Yes, indeed. In a share of the lead at five under par Good elsewhere. Two. Fellow Canadian Adam Hadwin, par four, fifth approach from 142 yards out. Yeah, really good. Ten feet. That leads to a birdie. The two Canadians leading the way at five under par. Following a 66 from Adam Hadwin, he's in a share of the clubhouse lead with Nick Taylor. And should that lead hold up, which it looks like it may, at the conclusion of the first round, it would make the first time two Canadians shared the lead after any round on the PGA Tour. Not just this tournament, after any round on the PGA Tour. That according to PGA Tour Communications. Well, Keegan Bradley basically. might have something to say about it at 400, 360. But shout hot. out, Abbotsford. Stand up. Love it. Love seeing that. Uh, we hope your game day starts with us here and Tim and Friends. Here's what's coming up on the network, Hockey Central. Standing by to get you set for a busy night on the ice and 7 Eastern. You can see the Flames, Red Wings, Sportsnet 1. 
Avalanche and Lightning are on Sportsnet East Ontario and Sportsnet 360, while viewers in the Oilers region can see Edmonton take on Philly. 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific viewers in Vancouver can see the Canucks take on their former captain, Bo Horvat, and the Islanders. All right, so the Canucks go up against a familiar face tonight when they take on Bo and the Islanders. Of course, Vancouver trading their former captain to the Isles last week with more USB, excuse me, UBS arena. Here's Dan Murphy. The other one would be something you put into the computer. <laughs> Tim, hello. It should be a real fun evening here tonight at UBS arena as the Canucks are making their third stop on this four-game road trip. Also, the first time they're taking on their former captain in Bo Horvat. Horvat, of course, traded a week and a half ago from Vancouver to Long Island, has since signed that eight-year contract extension worth $8.5 million per season. He says the two players he expects to give him the most grief on the ice tonight, at least verbally, JT Miller and Connor Garland. No surprise there. He says there will be some nerves, but it helps that he's already played two games for the Islanders, including his first home game, in which he scored his first goal for his new team. As for this morning, he was asked to give his favorite memory from his time in Vancouver. There's been so many. I mean, all the, obviously all the people that I've met and the friends that I've, I've gained um, over the years in Vancouver. But, I mean, you know, obviously um, you know, playing my first NHL game there was pretty special. And then scoring my first goal and, and then obviously becoming the captain there was obviously pretty special to me too. So... I mean, a lot of great memories, but um, you know, we're starting off on the right on the right foot here too, and it's been a great couple of games. We just got to keep it going. I'm happy I'm not going back to Vancouver um, to to play in that. I think that would have been a little too soon, but um, no, this is uh, this going to be good to to get this one out of the way and um, get the nerves out of the way and and just go out there and and play and then have the rest of the year to to focus on. So um, I'm ready to go tonight. Yeah, we shouldn't gloss over the fact that Anthony Beauvillier is taking on his former team as well. He played 457 games for the Islanders, and he's expected to get a video tribute and a nice ovation from the home crowd. And let's not forget, too, this is an important game for the Islanders. They've won four straight, and if they make it five straight, it looks like they'll be in a playoff position. Tim? Mm, very interesting stuff. Very interesting. Thanks, Murph. A big trade in the NHL today. The Rangers acquiring Vladimir Tarasenko from the Blues in a package that includes Sammy Blay, a prospect and a first-round pick. St. Louis also retaining half of Tarasenko's $7.5 million salary. Timmy, didn't these teams realize it was the NBA's day for big deals? And is this a good move for the Rangers? Uh, I don't know. I mean, listen, that's a lot of talent, but it's also come with some baggage in the past. I I'm not sure this is the piece they needed to add, but without a doubt, if it goes well for Tarasenko, this will be a big pickup. And you just have to wonder, listen, I heard Bob Marley once singing of the Exodus. Like, St. Louis might be the start of a lot of moves with that team. Uh, so you're saying that there's a chance the NHL trade deadline might be like the NBA trade deadline. There, uh, with the St. Louis Blues specifically, uh, there are rumors, but unlike the Raptors, they might actually make some deals. <laughs> right. Well, right. So, th so they just had their Pirtle, and we'll see if they do a little bit more than Pirtle. Even Tarasenko is more than Pirtle, no? Yeah. You know what I meant. Yeah, they I mean, made their one. You know what? Back. There's been too much Pirtle slander on this show. Yes. I will just step back. <laughs> He's a good piece. That does it no, for us. Hockey said. Sorry? They're going to win the title now. The Raptors. Yeah, because we slandered Pirtle. Or yes, I you heard it first. Yeah. Right here, Jesse Rubinoff, <laughs> Raptors win the title. Hockey Central's next.